having sung a prayer for the Holy Spirit to come, let's go to God's Word and trust that, that He, the Spirit, uh, will bless our reading. We're going to be reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, as we're continuing in this 1 Thessalonians series, Christ's Coming and Workaday Living. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. That's God's word for us today. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you noticed all the people taking walks during these past weeks during the stay-at-home order? You always, we always see this as the weather gets warmer, but it's nothing like this here. Uh, we're all looking for ways to get out of uh, our houses and the four walls that we've been crammed in. Uh, and going on walks is a great way to get out. It's good exercise. It's renewing to be in nature, or at least the, how much nature we can experience here in the suburbs. It's energizing to see other people, even if we're still waving at them from a distance. You see couples early in the morning and maybe even also in the evening taking walks, people walking or running alone or with a dog or two. You see some groups of friends sometimes. You see grandparents with grandkids. What's most striking is how many dads you see with their kids out and about. And uh, you don't normally see that just because so many dads aren't home much. We were, able to spend, we were able to spend the holiday weekend this past week um, in Michigan, and it's the same there. People on walks, biking, out in nature. This has been one of these real blessings of these times, huh? The simplicity, uh, the peace, the quiet of a walk with a friend or a loved one or a pet. 
we often talk about the Christian life as a walk. We talk about our walk with God, and and we do that because the Bible does that. We read in our verse the call to live to please the Lord. In other places, Ephesians 4, Colossians 1, we read the call to live a life worthy of the Lord. The word to live in all those cases literally is to walk. And that's why Christians talk about walking with the Lord. We walk with the Lord in our workaday living, day by day, hour by hour. In the previous chapter, where we were last time, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, longs for us, despite trials and hardships on the walk of life, he longs for us to survive, to make it, and more for us to thrive on our walk with the Lord. And even more than all that, that we would abound in living for the Lord. In other words, overflow with his grace. Uh, Psalm 23 says that the cup of the believer overflows. Right after that prayer for that abounding, we see in our passage now how to abound in grace, how to walk with and for the Lord. We abound first with purity. We're called to be holy. That is what sanctified in verse 3 means. We know God is holy. We abound first with purity. We're called to be holy, which is what sanctified in verse 3 means. We know God is holy, and so his people are called to holiness. It means to be set apart from the world, different, to be pure, whereas the world in sin is impure, it's tainted. The specific focus in our verses is sexual purity. And this is a big challenge for us today, living with impure images, content, all around us, all over the place. Uh, We read about it here, though, because back during the time of the early church, the early Christians living in the Roman Empire in the first century, it was a great challenge to walk with purity, too. The culture in that time knew nothing about God's call to faithfulness and marriage between a husband and wife. Commentaries on the Bible relying on the history of that time tell us that marriages back then almost always were arranged. They were never about love. Husbands were usually like in their 20s. They'd be matched with a young woman barely in her teens, and they usually would never have met. It it was expected that outside of the marriage, the man would have relationships with prostitutes, mistresses, female slaves, There's a famous Greek orator named Demosthenes, and he describes the situation back then, uh, talking about the men. Mistresses we keep for our pleasure, concubines for our day-to-day physical well-being, and wives to bear us legitimate children and to serve as trustworthy guardians over our households. In addition to that, the false religions in that culture often involved visiting with prostitutes in the pagan temples. So what God's people 
were to consider as unholy, the world around them saw as totally normal. Living in this type of culture is why it had to be emphasized to the church, like we have in our reading. It was totally countercultural to be a Christian and maintain God's standard for purity and holiness. A couple of times in our verses, maybe you noticed, we read that the Thessalonian Christians were abounding in grace, were living to please God, and we can assume that they were doing pretty good on this too, in this area. But the call is, verse 1, to do it more and more. Be more and more pure. Like we talked about last time, this is God's word, and so ultimately this is Jesus speaking to his people, to his bride, to you and me. Friends, are, are you walking with this kind of holiness? Are you abounding in grace with purity? How are God's people doing on this in our day? I'm not talking about the world. We know where the world is at. The question is, are we staying pure from the influence of the world? Christian men, how are you doing with all the images out there designed to catch our eyes and drag us into places God does not want us to go? Young couples, how are you doing? How many Christian couples, unmarried, are acting like and living like married couples? I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned as Christians we're living impure lives and, and not even thinking much of it because it's what everybody else around us is doing. I know there are Christian young people, singles, couples who are concerned to keep themselves pure. And if that's you today, praise the Lord. May God continue to bless you as you keep striving to abound in purity. For those who have been, let's say, a little more careless about this, my prayer is that you'd be hearing this from the Bible today and that you'd be convicted by the Holy Spirit about impure behavior and then that you could repent of your sin. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In this area of sexual purity too, we've all sinned in it, in our thoughts, our words, our deeds, but thankfully, the Lord has made a way through His Son, Jesus, that we can be made holy and pure regardless of what we've done or haven't done in our lives. When we embrace Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, we're cleansed and then we're filled to overflowing with his grace so that we can abound in purity and walk in a way that pleases God more and more. We also abound with love. How do we abound? How do we overflow with grace on our daily walk? Well, with purity and now with love. Verse 9, this isn't just about any love. It's about brotherly love. Philadelphia is what it actually says. Philadelphia. And this is a love that people have for each other in the church. 
So to think of this brotherly love, this Philadelphia, I, I want you to think, if you know him, of Brian Claypeer from our church. It'll help you remember this word and what it means. He and his family moved here from Philadelphia a few years ago, and he leads our brotherhood ministry. Every Wednesday evening, there's a Zoom meeting where men can share how they're doing, what God's doing in their life these days. Uh, The brotherhood, facilitated by someone from Philadelphia, is a ministry God is using to help us as a church to help men grow in brotherly love. In our text, of course, uh, the word covers both men and women in the church. We read, we don't need to tell you about this, so they're doing okay in this love in the church family. We don't need, we don't need to tell you about this. In other words, they're doing all right, but yet he does still tell them about this because we can always be growing more in grace over time. Like people are, are walking a lot more these days. Uh, there's also a, a lot of bike riding, right? I've been doing that, bike riding to church sometimes, like I always do, bike riding with the family, with my daughters. Um, and, and it reminds me of, of, a, of a grandpa with a grandchild in the car who this grandchild is just learning to drive and the grandpa's giving this new driver some pointers as they go along Um, and as they come up to someone a group of people biking grandpa gives his advice always make sure you leave a lot of room for bikes slow down and go around and especially grandpa says when you see a child on the bike, a little kid, they tend to swerve. They don't ride as straight as adults and so go way down, slow way down and go way around. Like Christians and our walk with God, the general pattern is that we can swerve a bit, but over the years, we go forward in God's grace. Again, not that we never mess up as we mature, but by God's grace, as the years go on, we walk straighter on God's path. And and so even though we, like the Thessalonians, might be doing okay, we have to keep at it so that more and more we abound in grace so that we walk straighter on the path of life. There are always some swerves and curves on our walk to straighten up, and, and so we keep at it. We read about their love for God's family in the province they lived in in Macedonia. Chapter 1 says they showed that love there. They showed their love in their province. They lived it out in their workaday living. They lived so that it was obvious to everyone. How did they show this living for Jesus in their workaday living? Well, we don't know exactly. We don't see it. We just know it was obvious to everyone. 
One thing we think it might be is that we know that church, all the churches in Macedonia were very, very poor. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we read about giving generously and not under compulsion. And the background is a benevolent offering for the Christian churches in Macedonia. So maybe the way the Christians in the city of Thessalonica showed their love was by giving to others in their region who were in poverty. Kingdom giving remains an important way to abound with love for God's people. But there are a lot of other ways that we can abound. When you think about abounding, how, how, are you, how are you doing today? How are we abounding in grace with love for others in the church family specifically, like 9 and 10 are talking about? If we are abounding in love, we should be able to see it. It should be obvious. There should be concrete ways in our lives. So, are you abounding in love of the church people? Are you overflowing in your giving, in prayer? Maybe it's in encouraging people with notes and calls in the church family in these days? Are there other ways? If you can't come up with much of anything that you can think of in your life, ask for the Holy Spirit to make it clear how exactly you can abound in love in your life today. And then also pray that he would give you the strength and energy to carry through on doing this. There's a final way to abound, to have a closer walk with God, to live in order to please him, and that is to abound with integrity. We move from our personal lives with purity to brothers and sisters in the church with love, and now to those outside the Lord, outside the church. We read the call for believers in our verses to live a quiet life and to mind their own business. This is probably emphasizing the same thing. Quiet life, minding your own business. And it's talking about not causing a ruckus in society being calm, being patient. We don't freak out with protesting this or that. Uh, for, for them there, and then it could have been due to the, pro, the persecution they were dealing with. Uh, with. They, they are, are being called to lay low. Celebrating Pentecost today and the coming of the Holy Spirit, that happened because Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, ruling over all things. Believers know that. Believers live accordingly, with a quiet confidence that everything is going to be okay. It's in God's hands. More, we're in God's hands. We're not troublemakers in society. We don't stir the pot. And, and if we're forced to go against God's will in any way by any law, 
we quietly keep doing God's will, putting it before man's laws, no, no matter the consequences. The call to work with your hands may be because a lot of Christians in that church did work with their hands, but it certainly points all believers wherever to make an honest living for themselves in order not to be dependent on anyone. In all this, it's winning the respect of outsiders, those outside the family of God, that steadiness, that calmness, that work ethic. It's it's an integrity. It's all a witness to others. With the Lord, our lives abound. They overflow with grace. How does a day-to-day walk that's abounding look? Well, on any walk, especially if it's a long one like our Christian journey is, you take supplies with you, water and food and good shoes. On our Christian walk day-to-day, God's Word today calls us to take with us purity, love, and integrity. The Holy Spirit was sent that first Pentecost to fill us with more than enough power and grace so we can abound in these gifts, to have them fill our own hearts and lives to overflowing in order to share them with each other in the church family and with all people. You've probably noticed uh, a lot of like sayings, a lot of memes during this stay-at-home order. Uh, one says this, we're all going to emerge from the quarantine in one of four different ways. We're going to emerge either as a monk, as a hunk, as a chunk, or a drunk. Have you heard that one? What's it going to be? How are you going to emerge? How about instead of those, those four options, we all commit to emerge abounding in grace. I want that to be my goal as your pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a Christian man. I know I'm far from arriving, but I also know that with the Spirit's help, I can and am growing on my daily walk more and more. Where do you most need God's help today? In purity? In in love? In the church family? in integrity, as a witness to those who don't know the Lord? You need to grow in all three of them? God will help you. He will help all of us when we ask him to grow in our walk. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, make a difference in, in our lives. Plant your word deep inside of us. Help us to grow more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.